This is Pastor Matt Harmless with the sermon audio from April 25th, 2021. This sermon comes from Luke chapter 5, follows up the sermon from the previous week about the man with leprosy. This one is about a man who is paralyzed and let down through a roof, a popular story, a story that a lot of people know from the scriptures. Um, Hope that you enjoy this message and appreciate it and are blessed by it, um, especially as you connect it to the previous week. And then next week, as we listen to the third part of this little section in Luke, tying together who is Jesus and what is his role in this world, and what are you going to do about it? Um, Honestly, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to preach this today is because in Luke, we're going through Luke, And I'll pray in just a minute, but I want to give this one little little, last little bit of intro here. Last week's message and this week's message are like twins. And I don't want to separate them, because that's a bad thing, right? You don't want to separate twins at birth. Like, let's keep these two together. Last week, we had Christ declared someone who was unclean and declared them clean. And as he declared them clean, there was a visible representation as that leprosy left that man's body. Profound moment. If you're not careful, you can miss it. We talked about some implications of that. This next one goes right along with it, and I think Luke has purposefully put this one right next to it, because we're going to see a very similar situation unfold today. In fact, next week is going to tie these two together about what our response actually should should be, and I don't want to give away too much, but next week we're going to see that really what the response ought to be. Because you're going to see a guy next week that's, that's well ingrained and seemingly in many ways got everything figured out, the ways of this world, and he's doing really well, at least on a surface level. And Christ is going to come into his life, and he's going to say, come on, let's go, follow me. And you're going to see this person give up everything to follow this Jesus. And I don't think we could separate these things out. What happened last week, unclean, clean, right? This week, we're going to see something very similar. Now, I want to pray. I'm going to give an introduction, then I'm going to get right into the story, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to take this moment now before I really dig into your word because my hope is that in spite of my lack of standing up here feeling totally ready that your spirit will guide and direct as he always does lord your word is amazing lord your word is full of truth and there's profound implications about what we're going to hear today about this next step of your earthly ministry and the things that you say and the things that happen And the way people respond is so, so very important for all of us, even today. And so, God, I ask for your guidance. I pray for your hand to be in every word that is spoken this morning, not just in the way it's, not just in the way it leaves my mouth, but in the way it enters the ear and hopefully the heart. I pray this down in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I want to give a, in my introduction, I, I was working on this introduction, six points. Trust me, they're rapid fire. Okay. 
Darius puked and I said, get rid of the introduction. I don't have time to finish this thing. And so I put it, I got rid of it. And then Darius started feeling better. So I was like, uh, okay, let's bring this thing back out, tack it on to the beginning again. Let's, let's flesh it out a little bit more. So I expanded, tried to expand these, these six little points here I want to give. And then he puked again all over charity. And then I chucked it again. <laughs> I said, I don't have time to, 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 to get this thing together. And then he started feeling better. And I said, no, I got it. Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, this introduction is incomplete. Okay? It's a skeleton of an introduction. But I think that there's something important here that needs to at least be laid out there in its incompleteness. Part of the incompleteness is my, my lack of getting all the little details of each point. So I'm just going to kind of give these six things, these six ideas. And it's something that's really been working on my mind, especially the last few weeks with things that are going on in the world as well. So let me give you these six points. They're going to be quick. Number one, and, and all these points have to do with the fact that we've got a sin problem. I think you know that. You watch the news. You watch the craziness of this world. And you may think it's something else going on, but I'm telling you right now, it is a sin problem. Sin entered the world. Humanity entered the world first. God created Adam and Eve. He gave them a guideline, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. And then Adam, operating as what has, been, has come to be known as our federal head, representative of mankind, was given this rule, this law, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. And as you know, what did he do? He did it. By one man... Sin entered into the world. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. I don't think I need to evidence that for you today. I, I mean, babies are born, and they're so selfish, are they not? Did they ever come out and say, Sorry, Mom, if that hurt? Do they ever stop and consider, if you're not busy right now, I'm kind of hungry. Do they do that? No. They start talking, and I'm going to tell you right now, I did not have to teach my kids at all this, this particular trick of the trade, but I did not have to teach them how to lie. By their very natures, they came out liars. Sorry. <laughs> but it's true. Humanity is sinful. Sin entered the world and death has passed to all people because all people have sinned. God warned there would be a destructive outcome of sin. He put it this way, he said, and dying you shall die, or in the Hebrew it basically says you will be dead, dead. Dying you will die. Adam immediately, upon sin entering the world, death happened. Eventual death occurred. Physically, he began to die. Spiritually, he died immediately. And that life he had with God, dead. Paul the Apostle talks about that in the New Testament. We were born dead in our sin. The next few chapters of Genesis, and I'm trying to offer a brief summary of <laughs> this book. The next few chapters jump right off and start to show that there's, within, before the generation has passed, the, the very first kid, one of them kills another one. Cain and Abel. And you just start to see as you flip through these pages, society full of sin. 
just breaking down, falling apart. And the more people there are, the more sin there is. So point number two, sin's a destructive impact on the world. Sin came into the world, there's been a destructive impact on the world. Third point of my little introduction here, law is an incomplete solution. In fact, Paul the Apostle goes on to say that law entered, in fact, he puts it this way, he says, in Romans 5.20, he says, so that sin might increase. I mean, let's be honest. And let's start to tie it. In fact, I'm going to tie it into this fourth point here, that our societal sins is an ongoing sin problem. I'm going to tell you, none of the problems in this world are going to be solved by introducing more laws into the situation. You can't destroy sin with law. In fact, what you do is you make us worse sinners. All you, have to be, all you have to do is be a slight student of history to know that. And if you're a student of this Bible and the history that's captured here, you see that again and again and again. And when law comes in, sin abounds. And the more guidance we put in, frankly, it's more things for us to break. And the problem with sin in the world is the problems that we're seeing today. You look around. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what you think it is. It's sin. It's in this world. It's in our blood. We're sinners. Fortunately, even back in Genesis, glimmers of hope were planted and began to unfold through the Old Testament. First it was just, there's, there's going to be someone that's going to come through the woman. He's going to crush the head of this serpent. Well, what's that talking about? And then, but then it starts to unfold more and more and more. Until you finally see, and this is what we're, this is, I think, one of the reasons why we're studying Luke. Is because what you see in Luke is you see that Messiah, that Savior, has come. And I'm telling you right now, Luke does not give us the whole picture at once. He's unpacking this great Savior. And all the things that you may think you know about Jesus, hopefully as we're studying Luke, you're going to go, this Jesus is amazing. And he defies, for many of us, expectation. Last week when he declared law, there was a man that was unclean by law. He was unclean and there wasn't anything he could do about it. But this Jesus came in and said, clean. And he was. And Jesus said, go validate it according to the law. Go ahead, go, go to the priest. Let's validate the cleanness that you now have. One last little piece of this. I think I lost count, but one last little piece of this introduction. I told you it was a, it's like a little house of cards, okay? All sin is ultimately against God. Now, we, we understand this in a very basic way because I'm telling you right now, if if, if I went out and I murdered somebody, the, the way even in our own law that's set up, if I murder somebody, the way that that is taken care of is not by the family of the, 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 the victim, right? They don't just get to go, okay, well, you killed my family. So, I mean, there's societies that were based on that, and it, it, it doesn't work, okay? But that's not, that's not what we have even now. There's elements of that that have... Even in, even in Old Testament, there's elements of those kinds of things. But I'm telling you right now, ultimately the sin. And so when I have to pay my, for my crime, who do you pay it for? You know, who are you paying it to? To society as a whole, right? I mean, we broke the law, so we, we go here. And the law is the one that's working that. But in an even greater way, as the ultimate lawgiver, all sin is ultimately against the high king of heaven and earth. King David understood this. 
King David committed adultery, and then to cover it up, you guys know what he did, right? He, he worked out this scenario where he brought in that husband. The husband didn't even know. Think about that. Brings him back in. The husband is a loyal, loyal servant to David, fighting on the front lines. David's at home. Had an affair with this guy's wife. David then writes a note, this plan to get Uriah killed in the next battle. He sends the note back with Uriah. I think the word dastardly. I mean, that's sick. Sends it back, and it works. Uriah gets killed. When he's confronted in this sin, the, the prayer that we have that King David, a man after God's own heart, is he confesses this sin. One of the first lines he says in his psalm, confessing this and praying about this, is against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, that's not to negate the sin that he did against Uriah. That's not to negate the sin that he committed against Bathsheba. That's not to negate the sin he committed to his kingdom as king. But he knew that ultimately, sin was against God. As the writer of the law, the king of the universe, like we were singing a minute ago, the one that spoke the stars into existence, the one that holds your body together right now, that's who we sin against ultimately. Even when we sin against others, ultimately it's against him. Now the people in Jesus' day understood this, and that's going to play into, you're going to hear that. So now, shift gears, introduction over. That's an important piece to understand the magnitude of what's getting ready to happen. Now, as I shift gears, I want to say that at this point, as I move past your introduction into this story, I'm going to tell you right now, this story is just awesome. I just love it. And I will tell you at the proper time, there are parts of this story that remind me of my in-laws. Okay? Now, you'll know. You'll, right? Good. It's all good. Oh, no, no, you. I'm talking about you. <laughs> Right, and I'll bring that up when we get there. But, but honestly, at this point, I feel like I could just read this story and just go, "Here it is, boom," and just present it before you and just let you chew on it. I'm not, I, because I'm me, I got to throw a little commentary in there. Jesus is in Capernaum. Luke doesn't tell us this, but this is one of the stories that all four or all three of the Synoptic Gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—all three of them share this story. On one of those days, Luke tells us, one of the, just one of these days, one of those days this happened. He was teaching. The Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Teachers of the law, another term that sometimes is used to talk about the scribes, the ones that were like dug into what is the meaning. How is this played out? Okay. They were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And so Jesus' fame is spreading. And we get another little piece here. And the power of the Lord was with him, Jesus, to heal. Luke throws this in to say, what, what's going to happen? This is the power of the Lord. This, this healing that's going to come, this, it, that has come and is coming. This is of the Lord. This is where it's at. So here we have Luke set, sets the stage. Now, the next verse reminds me of my in-laws. And behold, some men, Mark tells us four, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So there's these guys. They have a friend. He's paralyzed. And they say, we need to, we, he's here. Jesus is there. We need to get him from here to there. That's what we got to do. Bring him to Jesus. The harmlesses, we love people too. Don't we, Dad, most of the time? We, we would have said, let's wait till he's done. Let's, okay, we don't want to cause a scene or interrupt. Like, let's just kind of give it some time. I'm sure we'll catch him at a, a time when there's nobody. In fact, we may have been the type that we've been following around for like weeks. He's still busy. It's okay. Well, it's okay. We'll get to him. Don't worry. We'll get, he's, I don't want to interrupt, right? But that's what we would have been doing. Not my in-laws. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Now, the thing about my in-laws, they would have known exactly how to do this and do it right. My father-in-law would have been the guy that said, can't get in. Roof. <laughs> my brother-in-law, Bill, would have said, yeah, but if we're going to do it, there's a right way to do it. <laughs> because we need to put it back together when we're done. Uh, typical house at this time, many times they had these flat roofs, and a lot of times they would be, in fact, uh, you see the staircase. We, we know from excavations that a lot of them had these little stairways, and they would actually treat the top of their house like almost like another place, another room. Even though it was open to the sky, it was just like another place. And sometimes if it was real hot, they would sleep out there. I mean, that's, that's what it was used for. Um, they would quite often, they would have these beams going across and these sticks, and they would cover it with mud. And then actually, there's a lot of times grass would end up growing on there during certain seasons, but it was just this pleasant place up on top. Uh, tiles, it says, Luke calls them tiles, just the mud clumps put together. What do they do? They get up there. Can you, can you picture this in your mind? I always picture it from Jesus' perspective. He's teaching. And do, you, do you see the, first you some, hear some walking. And it, I know how you guys would be because you guys would be like, what's going on? What's, what's happening? Right? And then ima imagine some, some dust starts falling down right in the center. And then that first little finger pops through. And then the teaching stops. And everybody's going, what in the world? And then, you imagine, see, can you picture the face of these four guys? There he is! I told you it'd be right on above this one. I, oh, you did. I know you did. There you I've got it. Hi, Jesus. We need a little bit bigger. Pulling it apart. And then can you picture him and then just going. And everybody, I, I'm at, nobody down below has any idea what's happening. Start lowering this guy in. And they just see the rectangle of the bed coming down. Then they start to really go, oh, there's a person. What, what is going on? And land before Christ. Luke the way he's written this, I wouldn't know this outside of commentaries and digging into people who are Greek scholars that understand this sort of thing. They, they go, 
Luke has written this in such a way to really, he's building momentum. He wants you to be on the edge of your seat. What is Jesus going to do? A good speaker that's professional would have found a great way to curb this and say, we'll deal with you later, I'm in the middle of a lecture. That's what a good teacher probably would have done. But we don't have just a good teacher, we have a great teacher here. What what is Jesus going to do? That's what Luke wants you to feel. And so he builds it up next and he says this, and he says, when he saw their faith, he said, so he sees there, not just his, but there, these guys. He sees their faith. They, they were believing something when they decided to rip through the roof to get their friend to Jesus. There's something they believed. They believed would happen if they could do this. So we, we get this part. This is what's going to happen. I believe it. I'm confident. And let's do it. Let's bust through the roof and get our friend to Jesus. And Jesus sees their faith. Daryl Bach in one of my commentaries said, these men understand what Luke notes in it's, uh, Luke 5.18 just a moment ago when it says the power, Jesus has God's power to heal. They, they, they know that. These men understand that. Just how much a healing authority Jesus possesses they are about to discover. He has more than they bargained for. And if you know the story, you know exactly why I'm saying this. If you don't know the story, just hold on here. What is Jesus going to say? We know he heals. We know he's spoken to a person with leprosy and said, be clean. And if you weren't paying attention, you just noticed the healing element and you missed what was really going on. And so we know that Jesus can do these things and he has been doing these things. And so you can imagine what he would say next. Get up and walk. But that is not what he says. And Luke wants you to feel the impact of what he says next. Especially in front of the, the crowd that is there. When he saw their faith, he said this. Man. It's a way of saying friend. Buddy. Guy. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. Think it. Wait. Now, now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's not what he was asking for. And to be honest with you, Luke doesn't say that he even asked for anything. Luke doesn't, then of, that there's no recorded words of anything that they said. So let's forget that for just a moment. I think it was pretty much implied what they were hoping for. Okay, I don't have to dig into it to, to know that Maybe somewhere in there they're hoping paralytic healed. Do we have to ask? But what does Jesus do? Looks down at this guy and just imagine. It's probably still flecks of hay and dust and some pieces of clay. And imagine Jesus, you know, getting some clay off his forehead and looking down at this guy and going, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I don't know. I, I like to imagine that this guy in the middle of all of this, and again, I'm saying imagine. I have no idea of knowing this. There's no way for me to know, but I imagine this man just thinking, I'm good now. I'm good now. 
Now there's other people in this room. Remember the scribes, Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the ones that understand, that understand the Bible and who God is. They know. They begin to question among themselves. We don't know if this is out loud or not. They begin to question, who? Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is? Who does... Wait, hold up. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong on the idea, but I'm going to tell you what, they're wrong about who is in front of them. Who is this that speaks? In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what eventually gets Christ killed, is claiming things like this. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus perceives their thoughts. I think Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, when they include this, says that he heard them in his spirit, like he knows what they're thinking. He answered them, why do you question in your hearts? What, what's the problem, fellas? What's the problem? And then he says, one of my absolute favorite statements of Jesus in all of Scripture. What's easier to say? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's, there's a few ways you could take this. On the one hand, I think, in a sense, it's, What's easier? Rise and walk or your sins are forgiven you? Now, in one sense, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you because there's no evidence needed. I could go walk around and say that to people left and right. I put on little cards and just dish them out. Sins are forgiven, sins are forgiven, sins are forgiven. How do you know? You don't. You can't see it. In one sense, that could be the way it's taken. In another sense, saying rise and walk, A little bit more challenging, a little bit easier maybe though. I mean, to forgive someone their sins compared to healing their body, healing their body in some sense. I mean, I mean, for me, both are, I can't do either. But I think what Jesus is saying is there's a statement and there's a statement. I can say these words, your sins are forgiven. I can say these words, rise and walk. Which one's more difficult? One of them has more syllables, but not really any more difficult to say, is it? The difficulty I know, Luke knew, Christ knew, Jesus' listeners knew, the difficulty is the evidence of the authority to say such words. Anybody can say anything they want, but the the difficulty is the authority to, to be the kind of person, who are you? And that's where those Pharisees and those teachers of law, they had it right, the, the, the question they asked, who are you to say... Who, The who is the important part. You could say, who are you to say such things? And the answer could be uh, this nut in this asylum, right? Crazy person. The who could be a, a deceiver, a trickster, a con man. 
But it leaves us with one, only one other option, does it not? And isn't the proof in the, the pudding? Which is easier? And then Jesus says, but that you may know, that you can know, absolutely know, right now, today, you can know that the Son of Man, that is one of Luke's most common terms and Christ's most common terms for himself as Messiah, God in the flesh, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so that you can know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, basically says, now I'm going to say something else. And let's see what happens. I imagine, again, the people in there on the edges of their seats. I imagine Luke's readers on the edges of their seats. I mean, are they going to call his bluff? Is it a bluff? Now he's going to walk up to this paralyzed person and he's going to say something to them. What's he say? I say to you, three commands, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now, what happens next answers the question of who. This is Jesus that we're studying through Luke and that Luke is introducing you to. He's Decided to share this story for a particular reason. The, the, the ins and outs of forgiveness of sins, Luke does not unpack here. How The how is not answered, but the who is. Okay? The how is going to, we'll see that. And as you know, how comes later as Christ takes the penalty of sin. Because that really answers the question of people like Abraham. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, how was he made righteous? Paul says it was basically through credit. It was credited to him for righteousness through faith. So that here later, the debt could then be paid on the cross. That's, that's the bigger... But right now, Luke just wants you to know who. Who? Who can do this? Who can pronounce this? But God alone. And Jesus says that you can know the Son of Man has authority. I'm going to say something else. The same tongue, these same lips are going to, you know, motorize themselves and fluctuate the air so your eardrums can pick it up. A minute ago I said your sins are forgiven. Now I'm going to say something else and let's see what happens. In the physical world. And just like last week when Jesus looks at a leprous man and says, you're clean. This week he looks at a man who is paralyzed and says, get up. And immediately. He gets up. Oh man, there's, there's so much. I would love to dig into just this one verse right here. That's another day. Let's focus on the who. This man gets up before them. Picks up his, this bed that he's been lying on. And without a word, here, goes home, words there, on his way, glorifying God. Imagine him laying there, 
And then Jesus, after this, he's watching this exchange. I mean, he's probably laying on his back right here. He's watching the teachers of the law. Who is this? And Jesus, well, hey, so I said this. What's harder? And the, the guy laying there is like, I don't know. Which one's harder? And then this happens, and he goes, rise. Okay. So get to bed. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God, it's so good. I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I came here hoping for walking. I'm walking, but I'm, I'm forgiven. And he glorifies God on his way. There's one more verse, and then I'm going to give you three points of application here that I want you to take with you. Amazement seizes them all. As it would. If you saw that, you'd be like, your jo- my jaw would be on the ground. Because I'd be computing exactly what those Pharisees have been computing, and you'd be computing. And even if you go, well, I didn't think about that, but they brought up a good question. Who can forgive sins? And I wasn't even expecting him to say that. And then he said that. And then they said, who can do it? And then he says, to show you that I've got authority, now I'm going to say this. And then he said it, and he got up, and he walked out. Your jaw would go, he, and you know what you'd be saying to yourself? He just said he was God. He just spoke with the authority that only God can do. He's, th- this is not what I thought when I came here. I was hoping for a good teacher and a nice lesson to walk away with and, and maybe some healing. I heard some of that was going on. That would have been awesome to see. And then I saw it, but then something else happened. And amazement seizes all of them. And they glorified God, were filled with awe. We've seen extraordinary, I imagine this is almost literally what they were saying. We've seen some extraordinary things today. Three points, then we'll close. So much more, and even now as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting here going, man, I wish I would have focused more on that. Darn puking babies. But that's okay. Without being too simplistic, one of the points that I, I, I walk away from the story, one of the points that I, I just can't help but say is bro- broken people need to come to Jesus. And without being too simplistic, I hope this is not too simplistic. You need to come to Jesus moment. And I know that that is a simple way of putting it but you need to come to Jesus moment we all do we need to come to Jesus moment you need to come to Jesus he's where broken people go he's where unclean people go for cleanliness he's where sinful people go for forgiveness of all of their sin and you and I we need a come to Jesus moment number two we need be the kind of people that bring broken people to Jesus. Even if it means knocking out a roof. You know, I, I say that and I go, I, you know, I, one of the things I love about this church, some of you, I think, maybe you haven't knocked out roofs, but some of you are like this in the world. You see somebody and frankly, they're broken. They're paralyzed in their sin. And for lack of a better way of knowing what to do, you do what these guys do. And I know Jesus is everywhere, and you know that too. 
But I know what you're hoping. You go, I want you to go to church because you might meet Jesus there. Isn't that what you're hoping? Come on, come to church. Jesus is there. You, you're bring, you feel like you're bringing people. It's like, just come, just, if I could just get you from here to here, I think maybe that if I get you, you're here and you're in sin and, and you're, you're paralyzed in it. It's, it's destroying your life. And I know if I can get you from here to here, my hope is that when you get here, you're going to hear Jesus and he's going to talk to you and you're going to hear him. And I'm so proud of so many of you for being roof-knocking-in kind of people. I will knock the clay out of whatever roof I've got to knock the clay out of to get you to Jesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I want just, please. But we need to be the kind of people. Jesus is where broken people walk again. And we need to bring broken people to Jesus. Finally, all in recognition, all in recognition of what happened are not the same as faith and belief. We don't see this played out in this passage. You just see hints of it. That all that were there were seized with amazement. And they walked away with awe. And God is, they're glorifying God like that man was. But we know that many of those Pharisees and teachers of the law most reject Christ for who he says he is. How's that possible? How is that possible? You would think, I would think, if you see that, you go, okay, I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. But the scriptures teach over and over again that seeing is not believing. But the, the good side of that flip, the flip side of that coin, the good part, is that you don't have to, I'm relaying it. We didn't get to see, I wish we could. I wish every 10 years, Jesus would come again and go, I'm going to do another thing so you can see. In my head, in my, my mind, I think that, the, I, I go, man, that seems like that would work. But the scriptures teach again and again, and one of the things we can learn from these stories is that Jesus himself can be walking around and can do these things and make these announcements and make these proclamations and people can still not believe. I always think of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man from punishment, from hell, looks up and says, if you just send somebody back from the dead, they'd believe. And the response is, they had the law and the prophets. If they're not going to believe that, they're going to believe even if somebody comes back from the dead. My mind doesn't compute that all the time. I'm like, it just seems like you would. There's something else at play. And I'm telling you right now, if you come church and hear these things even if you go that's amazing this is why next week is going to be so important jesus has called some followers next week he's there's going to be another one. and i think that luke purposely tacked on this next one as a guy named levi he gets a new name matthew good name <laughs> levi 
Now, I'm telling you, Peter and Andrew and these others, they walked away from fishing. And I'm telling you what, the nice thing is they could have gone back any time. We're going to meet a guy next week that when he walks away, there's no going back. And he does it. So what does it look like? And I think Luke wants you to know, here's Jesus. He takes the unclean and makes them clean. He takes those in sin and he brings the authority of actual forgiveness. What should you do? And next week we're going to see that. What do you do? What does this look like? It looks like Jesus coming to people and saying, follow me. Okay. Follow me. All right. Follow me. Okay. That's what it's going to look like. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Right after, we're going to give you a few minutes of fellowship. What's that? You guys got a song? One song? Is it the Glenn Kaiser one? Oh, man, I'm so happy. The song they're going to play next is just one of my absolute favorite songs. This is one of those songs that uh, on my CD, I used, to, I used to have the CD of this guy, and I just play it over and over and over again in my broke-down old van. I just play it again and again until the CD player stopped. And I'm going to tell you right now, it, it's, it's so, I'm so glad you guys are doing it. I, I was afraid you weren't, but it's so, some of the words are, behold the Lamb of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is what, as we're singing this, I want you to be thinking about this. This is Jesus. This is what we're doing. We're, we're beholding the Lamb. This Jesus who shows up and says, clean. And now some of you are sitting here going, I'm not. I'm not. You've come to the right place. A Jesus. Not, not here. But Jesus. The one who says, clean. And if you come here going, man, I want all these problems worked out in my life. I feel like I'm... I feel like this paralyzed guy, like I, and I, got, I need people to carry me around because I'm so messed up. And maybe you came to Jesus because you're so messed up and you feel like people have to carry you around everywhere and you're going to find out right now today, maybe this was just for you that you're sitting here going, man, this Jesus is the one. I, my real problem isn't I can't get out of this. My real problem is I'm, I'm a sinner. So behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And even though we're going to talk about it next week, you may hear that call. Follow me. Follow me. You know what the right thing to do is to that call? Yes, follow. You, you don't got to do, there's no, you, no, you, yes, Lord, I follow you. Wherever you want me to go. As a church, when you're ready for that time, and maybe you've taken those first steps already, to go, what I'm having trouble in the following. That's what we do here together. Because I'm not I'm not leading this show. I want you to think about I'm I'm just I'm like come on guys, we're just following, we're all following. Come on, let's follow just Jesus. He made me clean. I'm forgiven of my sin. Let's follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so very much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for each person in this room. Lord, whatever reason they've come. 
Lord, some in this room, you've, you've made clean and you've forgiven them of their sins and they're just continuing to follow and they needed to hear this today just for ongoing encouragement that they are clean and they've been forgiven and they just go, Lord, we just want to keep following and following. There's a possibility some today have not taken that first step, but here today they heard it. You are the, the cleanser of souls and the forgiver of sins. Let them take those first steps of obedience today to take up that bed and start following Lord, in all these things, I thank you, God, as we behold who you are. We never walk away disappointed in your majesty and your greatness. I thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you've done. I pray now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good message. Brothers and sisters, if you've seen the goodness of God today, you know the next step from the sermon is to glorify God, right? So let's go ahead and stand up and glorify God. It's a simple song. You probably haven't heard it, but it's going to be easy for you to learn, and I think you're going to love it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes
sins of the 